Welcome to the LaRouge Rugby Podcast with your hosts, Derek Brissett, Stu Hardy, and Dan Murphy. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the LaRouge Rugby Podcast. My name is Dan Murphy, and with me always is Derek Brissett and Stu Hardy. Uh, we'd like to take a moment uh, as the LaRouge Rugby Podcast to offer our condolences to the family and friends of Jake Webster, uh, former Canada Sevens player, Ontario Blues player, um, after his sudden passing. Um, all you really need to do is look at his former teammates' social media pages like Nate, Nate Hirayama uh, has posted some beautiful stuff about uh, about Jake as a teammate and as a friend. And you really get a sense of how love he, loved he was. Um, and you know, because this is the holiday season and it is a time of giving, um, there is currently a GoFundMe to support his young family. You know, a sudden death like this is, is, is hard on a family, both emotionally and financially. So if you are able to do so, please, um, uh, the GoFundMe has been shared by the arrows by, by multiple members of the national programs, both 15s and sevens and by rugby Canada. So if you're looking to see, you know, do some good in the world. This is a, this is a great way to do it. Um, and, and gentlemen, let's, let's get started into this. Let's, let's bring a little bit of joy into the world after such a somber start. Um, we got some great little news and that was that the uh, MLR schedule was released last week. Now, my first question to you guys is how do we feel that the league managed to make the schedule with uneven teams? Yeah, um, obviously, have, you know, with the Colorado Raptors dropping out, um, the league went, I mean, they're still expanding technically from uh, as far as the actual numbers going from 12 to 13 teams, but it was supposed, it was initially looking like it was going to be 12 to 14 teams, but, you know, the un- uneven numbers are are interesting. It's nothing really new to Major League Rugby. We've played a season with seven teams. We've played a season with nine teams. The sort of the wrench into the scenario was the fact that conferences were introduced last year and now you have an imbalanced conference. Um, I wrote an article for Layman Sports way back in May, April or May, I guess, whenever, like soon after the Raptors dropped out. And they and I basically said that, in my opinion, what I thought the best thing to do would be to have. Obviously, the West is exactly what the MLR did. Just have everybody plays each other twice, home and away, and then you play four games against the East. And then what I said for the East to do was have everybody play each other home and away, play two extra games against Eastern opponents, and then play the West four times. And Major League Rugby did that with two teams. Um, the Free Jacks and Rooney both uh, both have that schedule. Um, but the rest of the uh, Eastern Conference teams in Toronto, Old Glory, NOLA, and Rugby ATL, um, they, they have five games against the West, and they play one team three times, whereas Rooney and the Free Jacks, so the Free Jacks have to play Toronto and Rooney three times, and Rooney uh, obviously plays the Free Jacks and then Old Glory DC three times. Um 
So, I mean, ultimately, like, it is a bit of a challenge. I was super interested to see how they handled it. Um, overall, I like it. Um, I'm just, I, the my only kind of, I guess, the quirk is, like, I do kind of wonder why maybe they just didn't go with everybody in the East plays the West five times or everybody plays four times. Um, why there's that, that little bit of a, of a quirk within Rooney and the Free Jacks. But, um you know, ultimately, I think it's good. And I think, to be honest, the way the schedule breaks down, I think it's going to um, we maybe we can get into this. I'll get, let Stu kind of ha- share his thoughts on the way the season's going to be formatted. But um, I think it'll uh, it'll be interesting work because I think now we're going to introduce a new element of Major League Rugby that we haven't really seen before with the uh, way the schedules are actually played out here. Yeah, I have to agree. I think that MLR have done a very good job with it. Unfortunately, Due to the uneven nature and an 18-week season, the reality is some matchups simply can't happen on an annual basis, which is what we have become accustomed to, especially in 2019 with that full season where everyone played each other home in a way. I think we have to come to terms with that's now moving away from the traditional rugby schedules that say are similar to Europe, like the Premiership and the Top 14. And now we have to move to a more North American type structure. And that has been utilized with the conference system. And I can see in the future, you know, we have the rumors of Chicago joining um, with it for 2022 and there's probably you know other teams that are considering both in the east and the west and when that happens when you get into say 16 teams we'll probably have to go into divisions and that means that a whole segment of the other conference won't be played until uh, two years later so i think this is a best of a bad situation as you said obviously Colorado dropping out with 14 teams it would have probably been much easier in terms of organizing to have such an even balance but you know I think we've got uh, I think we all can also develop some uh, tension and some drama and say that oh we will uh, so for example the Arrows won't face Giltinis until 2022 and we can really build that up to be once every two years so you know you have to put pressure onto this game you know you have to get something out of it so you know we do what we can and I'm I'm just looking forward to actually having MLR games back more than anything yeah I that's that's the thing is like uh, yeah I completely agree Stu can't wait like honestly the best part of the schedule release is like yeah there's a schedule awesome we're gonna play games <laughs> um but but I do think though like kind of what you're saying is like yeah there there is a bunch of games that aren't gonna happen now and you know I think it'll be an interesting thing like if we go back to the last full season of MLR in 2019 right everybody played the same schedule it was there was a nine team league six team games you played everybody home and away once right there's that's balanced everyone who's on the same same playing field it's even right um 2020 was kind of set up to be something similar like if you were in the east you would play everybody once or everybody home and away once and then you play the six teams in the western conference once um the only variation would have been who you played home or away but everybody had again it was a very similar schedule you played everybody now though i think that's what I think is most interesting about this. And it has to happen, as Stu said, um, 
math just doesn't work. I think 16 games is this kind of the sweet spot for an MLR season. And it's just, yeah, as the league grows much like the NFL, like you're not going to like, yeah. you know, what I mean, once you start getting 16, 20, 24, 25, 30 teams or whatever, obviously just math, you're not going to play everybody. Um, so, yeah, 12 teams is pretty much the cutoff to be able to play everybody. So when you get that 13th team, um, this is what's going to happen, which means I think it's interesting because I think now for the first time in a major league rugby season, strength of schedule is now a thing um, that could kind of happen. Right. Because I think. And, you know, there is a lot of parity in the league and parity in the sense that anybody, I still think anybody can beat anybody. Even, you know, that 0-16 Austin squad, they ran it, they put like the fear of God into a couple of teams that were like, oh no, we're going to be that one, um, that team that they finally, uh, they finally get a win against. It never happened, but there were some close games, especially that one against NOLA in that season too. So, um, like, I think... But in looking at the schedule right now, like if you look at a team like um, the Houston Sabercats, um, the Houston Sabercats in cross conference play, they avoid Toronto and NOLA, right? Which the, those are some big guns to not have to worry about at all. Um, if you looked at, and I know, I know the Free Jacks had a ton of injuries and stuff uh, last year. And obviously it's a short season. They didn't even get to play a home game. It's an awkward sample size to really judge how good a team is. But if you just look at the literal way the 2020 season ended in the standings, you got the Free Jacks have to play the, the best. The Free Jacks who finished last in the East now have to play the Toronto Arrows who were first in the East three times, right? Whereas the Arrows, you flip that on the Arrows, the Arrows get who would have been the last place team in the East three times. Like I said, it's kind of tough to judge the free Jacks based on the circumstances of last year, but like just sort of, if you just kind of look at the standings, that's the way it is, right? The best team is playing the, the first place team is playing the sixth place team um, three times. They also have to play Rooney, who is the only the team that made the playoffs in 2019. They had a bit of a tough start um, in 2020 themselves, but like, you know, so it's like you kind of see like the free jacks have to have extra games against those teams. Um, there's teams in the east that have to play Seattle and San Diego in the west going across over. There's teams that only get one of them. Um, right. There's and then you know what I mean? Like there's teams like realistically, even Toronto, right? Like Toronto ends up with San Diego, Seattle, and Utah, right? Who were you know three of the better teams in the West last year in the super short season. Um, so like it's it, it is interesting. And it's like, and like I said, there's still a ton of parody in the league in the sense that, you know, on any, you know, sort of go the Al Pacino rune on any given Sunday or whatever the um, like anybody can beat anybody, but you know, like it probably, it's going to come into play at some point next year. Yeah. Like we're going to be looking at, we're going to be looking at, it's like, okay, these two teams are in a playoff race. And then like kind of looking at who's left or who they still have to play or whatever. It's going to be, it'll be interesting. And I think as the league grows and there's more teams, like the expansion teams, um, especially with the way that they've been built, I think, especially like looking at LA, I feel like LA is going to be a little bit of an unknown right now, or is like sure. the way that their roster is shaped up. It's like, they're bringing over a lot of like legendary players that maybe are, you know, toward the end of their career, but they're also kind of, kind of mixing it in. So it's like, it's a tough team to call ahead of time for sure. So it'll be, you know, so it'll be interesting to see how they actually perform come next year, but yeah, not everybody not having the same schedule is, is super fascinating. And, you know, it's the first time we're going to get to see it next year in 2021. So I'm looking forward to that a lot. So, so guys, let's dive into a little bit more. Um, 
when we kind of talked about a few matchups, but what matchups are you guys looking forward to seeing this season? I know for myself, um, I'm really looking forward to seeing the two expansion teams uh, go at it after each other, you know, Dallas and LA, I believe they start the season against each other. Um, So I'm excited to see that first week, throw the new guys in the pool together and see which one of them comes out um, less soaked. You know, I'm excited to see that, but what are you guys looking forward to? So I agree. I'm interested in seeing Dallas and LA, but I'm more interested in their later game, which will be on June the 19th. And I think that's be because they'll have more time in the league. They'll have played a few games at that point. And, you know, and then you don't have the first round jitters or dusting off the cobwebs for all those Colorado players that uh, haven't played in so long that are now in different teams. Um, the big game in in the similar vein of the 2020 season was San Diego versus um, Seattle. And when that kicked off the season, and that was a great game to watch. Now, obviously, there was no final in 2020, but a lot of people would have uh, predicted it would have been San Diego versus Toronto. And that's in the second week of the season so i'm interested in that one now sorry sorry derek and like i just want to kind of talk about that toronto san diego game like, i don't know why you're apologizing to me i wasn't talking <laughs> but sure sorry i i heard an exhale um <laughs> but do we still feel like this is a little bit of a tangent but do we still feel like san diego is going to be as much of a threat derek kind of mentioned this in our, our chat the other day that like I, I'm excited because really it's the arrows first game with their their bye week uh being the first week I'm not as like, I feel like there's a little less bite to that matchup now because of San Diego. And like, again, like, like I said, Derek really kind of brought this up about how they're a lot less threatening of a team than they were last year. Yeah. I mean, to be honest, like, I mean, if you just look at the list of guys that kind of departed the team right now, like, yeah, like no JP Duplessis, no Nanu, no Teow, no Burton. Like that's a big chunk of their super dynamic backline that's gone. But I mean, guys like, you know, Matthias and Oddsley, like they're all still there. Peterson's still there. Um, Augsburger's still there. It's the, the team's depth is nowhere near as good as what it was last year. Um, but I don't think that means they're going to be like a bad team by any stretch. Like I don't think they've taken that many like it's like they've lost some really key guys. Um, but like it's one of those things where like they have lost a lot of those key guys, but they did have some pretty good depth. So it's like, you know, it's you know, JP Duplessis and Nanu are gone, but that just gives guys like Oddsley that opens the door for them to have more playing time. And we've already seen what Oddsley can do in MLR, right? Like he's you know, probably you know, if it wasn't for the fact that Nanu and JP Duplessis were on his team, he's probably starts. Um, and he probably starts at most places in the league too. So um they kind of have that, but I totally agree, man. I wanted to see, like, I don't think they're going to be that, like, that juggernaut that they were, like, shaping up to be in 2020. Um, and, yeah, I, like, I agree. Like, I want, like, if, if we're looking at, like, what matchup do you, like, did we miss out on the most in 2020 with COVID? It's 100% San Diego versus Toronto yeah. in, like, yeah. the 2020 specific renditions of San Diego versus Toronto. But I think if you kind of look at the way the two teams have had the offseason, right, where it's like you're going with, like I said, San Diego has lost Burton, JP Duplessis, Nanu, Teow. Toronto has gained Montero, Tukale, Gonzalez, Cortez. Um, like it's 
right? And even if that is at the expense of more and Malcolm being out the door, but um, like, yeah, I think Toronto like has lost those guys, lost more and Malcolm, but replaced them. And then beyond that too, um, with, you know, talented players. Whereas I don't think San Diego has done nearly as well of a job as to replace the losses that they've had versus Toronto. So yeah, I feel like if we're, if we're picking this game right now, or whatever, if they were doing like the betting odds, like the way too early, like this game happens in four months from now predictions. Um, yeah, tr- tr- uh, Toronto by at probably 10, I would say, at the early, like, you know, the early stage predictions here. Well, I think it is worth mentioning that the Legion have yet to beat the Arrows. And as you mentioned, that there is a lack of depth in the squad and the Arrows have brought in all these amazing players. That may be set to continue. And this goes back to my point about having matches that occur every two years. And say if the Arrows only play Legion every two years. Can you imagine the build-up going to future games if the Arrows have three on the bounce against San Diego and they don't get the chance to redeem themselves until 2023 and things like that? So, you know, it may not be the game that we were expecting with 2020, but, you know, I'm not going to turn it down. I'm still going to (laughs) be watching that game. Um, And I think another thing that was introduced last year uh, was the Texas Cup, which was between the Gilgronies and the Sabercats. And now we have Dallas in the mix. And I think that would be an interesting, like, mini table within MLR. Because obviously the Texan rivalry is going to be a big thing going forward. So if they can build on that, then I think that's something that not only the supporters in Texas can be watching, but supporters of MLR can be watching as well. You know, I think, I think just kind of on the topic of games that we're kind of most excited about too. Like, I feel like like you said, Toronto, San Diego, we already, we touched on that, but I think the one that we haven't talked about that I'm super excited about is uh, week one, NOLA versus old glory. Just the first one, just Major League Rugby will be officially back at four o'clock on March um, on that Saturday, right? So, yeah. like, I think that's the one that I am just, I like, yeah, like, I just can't wait to see it back. Um, so, if, like, I mean, looking at the schedule, I think the fun thing with the schedule is like, I know there's matchups that we all want to see, like you said, like Toronto and San Diego, that could have been the final last year. We never got to see it. So, we get to see it in week two. It's the Arrows have the bye week. So, it'll be their first game of the season. So, it's a hell of a way to start off the, the year for the Toronto Arrows. Um, and, but like, yeah, I, I'm excited for that one. But, and I'm excited for NOLA versus Old Glory. But I think the rest of the games and stuff, it's always a matter of how the season plays out. Because you always, it's like, yeah, the biggest game of the year and stuff is going to be a game that's probably going to be in week 18. And it'll, like, look at the way 2019 ended, man. We had we ended 2019 where Ford, with, like, what was it, five teams that could all like make the playoffs or miss the playoffs entirely like that. It was an absolute crazy scenario to end the season. And it was everybody, every team had to watch their games. And then like every team was scoreboard watching, because even if you won, if 
the other if two of the other teams won in the right circumstances it's like even if you won it could have knocked you out or it doesn't matter um rooney ends up losing and still makes the playoffs like just the way it all played out it was crazy um so i mean week 18 is one that i'm certainly looking forward to just because of the madness that happened last year um hopefully that is something that occurs again um because i think that was like the way that whole season played out that was just a great advertisement for major league rugby just have you know we'll come down to the final weekend of the season and every all six of the game or every single game that's being played mattered and i mean if we get into a scenario where we're looking at week 17 week 18 and those last 12 games of the season are just absolutely massive i think that's that's what you want ultimately out of major league rugby and you know it's the schedule is good. It's pretty, in all honesty, I know I talked about the strength of schedule, but it is pretty well balanced in fairness, at least from the outset looking in. We'll see how it kind of plays out if it still For feels sure. balanced by the end of the year. But, um, man, we're getting closer. We got kits. We got schedules. Oh, it's like it's like Christmas. I guess it is actually close to Christmas. But, um, yeah, no, it's, it feels feels good, man. It's it's great to, man, players are, players are being signed. It feels like we're almost back to normal. We're almost there. Now, guys, um, we've kind of talked about games that we're excited for. Um, unfortunately, like we said, with the, the, the raise in uh, teams, we're not going to see everybody play everybody. Um, what are some matches that you're sad that you won't see? Because I've, I've got a couple that like I'm bummed out that I'm not, not we're not going to be able to see, but I wanted to hear your thoughts on it. Well, I think after talking to DTH Vandermeer for last week, um, no Toronto LA. Um, that's kind of a disappointing one, especially since LA kind of built up uh, as, you know, with signing Lindsey Stevens, uh, Corey Thomas as well. Like they built up a little bit of a Canadian eligible contingent there too. So um, that would have been fun. Also the Toronto, Toronto doesn't get to play Houston, which is apparently using P- the Pacific pride as a development team. Um, so like that's, that's a little bit of a disappointment too, I think, cause I think that could have been a lot of fun. That's, um, it's just sad for you that you're not going to be able to see their, their kit. Against yes. the arrows. Oh, man. okay. So that, that really is the most disappointing thing is like, cause I think if you did the, put the arrows in their collars and give me Houston in either they're all black, the, like they're all blacks kit or the yet bright yellow or whatever, best uniform matchup in the league. You do that, that con actually I would go with the yellow because the contrast between the blue and the yellow would be much better. It would be the best looking, it would be the best looking game in the league. You put it at a Viva Stadium in that like <laughs> beautiful palace that they've built in Houston or whatever, even better. Um we do get uh yeah, I was gonna say Toronto playing Utah, the blue versus the red would also look good, but Toronto plays Utah in Toronto. So it won't have the mountains in the background. So it's not going to be as picturesque. Uh, the P- Pioneer Village subway station isn't exactly as nice of a background as, you know, the mountain ranges in Utah. But um, but yeah, so, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of I don't know if it's just because they're the arrows games. And but um, those those were kind of the two that sort of jumped out on me. Just kind of conversation that we've had. I know we're super arrow centric on this podcast, but um yeah, those are kind of the two that jumped out at me the most. Well, one game that I looked up, which isn't happening, is uh, San Diego versus DC. And I think, yes, I'm going to miss the Arrows fixture against uh, Giltinis and against the uh, Sabercats. But, but I was looking at other teams and I realized that this was a matchup that isn't happening. And, you know, I think uh, DC have 
come along pretty well in their off season. As we've mentioned before, maybe San Diego probably haven't uh, retained the strength that they had for 2020. And I think on top of that is that DC finished in, uh, they finished second in the Eastern Conference uh, last year. And so I know that we wanted to see the Arrows versus San Diego, but you know, maybe uh, the Legion against Old Glory uh, could have been an interesting uh, matchup as well. So I've basically gone from the first team in the Eastern Conference to the second team in the Eastern Conference last year. And I think that's a game that, unfortunately, we're going to miss out on, but hopefully we can have again in 2022. Yeah. In that same light, too, like there's no Rooney San Diego as well, which would be yeah. like that was, uh, that was the, the playoff matchup in uh, 2019, 2019, right? And we, uh, we kind of miss out on that too. Um, it's just the way it is though. It's like, yeah. it's, I yeah. mean, it, it's the nature of what it's going to be as the league expands. You just can't simply play everybody. It's just, it's the first year that we're doing this. I'm sure when the schedule comes out next year, we probably won't even talk about being disappointed in games that aren't happening just because <laughs> it's just, it's just the nature of what it is. It's going to be yeah. how the league goes yeah, I, you know, moving I, forward. I, I was looking forward to seeing Nola and the Gilgronis play. I mean, we talked about it a few weeks ago about the depth of back lines, you know, the arrows and Nola and, and the Gilgronis are, have, you know, really, really deep lineups that I think are. So that would have been a really, really exciting matchup, especially with, you know, Hassler moving there, uh, Bryce Campbell going to the Gilgronis. That would have been quite the slick matchup. Um, one matchup that I was looking forward to seeing that's not happening is the Arrows versus the Seawolves in Toronto. You know, I would have loved to see that happen. Uh, you know, unfortunately, the Seawolves got the uh, got the, the game in Seattle, which has had mixed reviews, you know, for, for Arrows fans. Um, but, uh, you know, it is what it is, right? Ah, now, you have to have the, – the Arrows have to make, like, the mandatory appearance at, like, the Western home base anyways. It's fine. That's that's true. It's like like when the Blue Jays go to play the Mariners. Yeah, exactly. The, it's got to happen every We just year. have to figure out how to get all the BC rugby people to be like the Blue Jays that flock south into the state of Washington to Seattle, and then it looks like tell, a Toronto we, home we got to, like, set up something with the Seawolves to be like, okay, like – the fans will be there. Just build like a temporary stand and like they'll be there. Cause you know, I know that they're always pretty packed. So that'd be pretty cool. Um, so an interesting thing uh, with this schedule this year, guys, is that only four games won't happen either Sunday or Saturday. Now, my question to you is, do we want the league to follow kind of the traditional rugby format where Saturday is a rugby day, you know, and, uh, and then you have a couple games on Sunday, um, I know that was a big deal with the arrows home games. Um, so that way, you know, guys could still go play for their club team and then, and then, you know, have the other day to go to the arrows. Um, or do we want it to be more like hockey and basketball, even more football, really football plays like on like three different, sometimes four different nights. Do we want the games to be a little bit more spread out? Cause I know some people have complained about overlap of games and not being able to watch them all. Uh, one, I kind of think that's a bad comparison uh, just because it's like hockey and basketball play 82 games. So like they have to play every night of the week yeah. Um, or else this, their whole structure of the way out the sport works doesn't work. Um, like they're, So they're, maybe the better compare, comparison is football and saying like, you know, there's yeah. going to be a Thursday night game. You know, see, there's going to be like mm-hmm. keeping it like, like not always having it all on one day, so, which. But, sorry, Dan, but what I want 
I think though, there's a distinction, like when you're saying football, though, it's like, there's a difference between the way like the NFL schedules their games and the CFL schedules their games. Like you're, you're wearing a Broncos shirt right now, right? When do the Broncos play next week? I don't know. I'm, I, I only have this jersey really because it's a Peyton Manning jersey. I don't oh, actually. Oh my goodness! Well, okay, the... so we have Dan, a fake fan here, um, just trying to not do this. I don't even know. It's a rugby podcast, but you're wearing a football jersey anyway, so we can discuss that later. So I was watching football today. Yeah, and you know why you were watching football today? Because it's Sunday. We record this on Sunday, and the way the NFL has shaped. I, I'm, I'm going to take a pew. Okay. Oh yeah, just because yeah, exactly. But I'm just gonna say that like the NF the way the NFL kind of has their thing worked out is like Sunday is an event. And like no matter what, here it goes. The the Broncos are I don't know when the Broncos play either. Typically they play at 4 p.m. on Sundays because they're exactly you know what time they typically play at. (laughs) It doesn't like and here's the thing: if I'm an NFL fan, I know if I turn on my TV what Thursday night at 8 30. Sunday at one, Sunday at four thirty, or Sunday at eight, or Monday at eight. There's a football game on, right? And like you said, maybe you don't know what team it is, but it's like I just know that that's the NFL schedule, right? It's like it's locked in. You know when you're watching football every day. And Sunday, you turn on your TV at one, and you can watch football back to back to back. The CFL though doesn't do it like that, or whatever. Where it's like the CFL games can be on Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday. They played a couple on Tuesdays at some points. Like it's like I, if you were to ask, like you know, in a similar week, it's like if you would be like, when did the Broncos play? And you're like, I'm fairly confident that it'll be four o'clock on Sunday, but it could be one of those weird weeks where they play on Monday or Thursday night, right? Whereas like the CFL is like, if you were to be like, when did the Argos play? You're kind of like, I have no idea because it could be it could be Thursday, Friday, Saturday. It could be an afternoon game. It could be a night game. It could be on Sunday. It could be a holiday. So we're playing on Tuesday instead or something like it's right. It's kind of all over the place. And the point that I'm trying to make is I like the fact that it's all on the weekend. And I mean, I, I'm going to look at the arrow schedule again. We're very aerocentric Canadian rugby podcast and all that. I love the fact that seven of the eight arrows game home games are 12 o'clock on Sunday. Cause there's, there's no effort into that. Like that's part of like your, as you said, like the Broncos four o'clock Sunday, that's when they play, right. And the arrows can kind of lock into like, if you're like a rugby fan, or even if you're casually interested in it, if it's the same time every day, like there's no thinking about it. It's just like, Oh yeah, it's Sunday at noon. It's time for me to go to TSN and turn on the arrows game. Cause that's, they're always playing on Sunday. Um, and I think like the, the league can benefit from doing something like that um, for the fans that are like upset about not having like having games overlap and stuff i kind of get that considering there's still only six games a week and like maybe this maybe like i mean i don't want to say the solution or anything but like or whatever and it's like maybe i could see like in that same sort of nfl kind of sense maybe you could do the saturday and the sunday but maybe you would have maybe you could have done you know a one o'clock start a four o'clock start and an eight o'clock start on both days or something in order to like balance it out and stuff. Um, but I mean, ultimately at the end of the day, things like video on demand and stuff all works. The games will get put up on YouTube. Um, so, I mean, it's easy to catch at least the, at least the league is the games, easy to catch replays. Is the games being on YouTube is, is clutch. Because yeah. Like, like at least if I know I want to watch the arrows game at 12, yeah, and like and like I know I'm, I might miss the the you know Seattle game that's happening at the same time. Uh, yeah. 
end of the week. I don't know. I, I can't really remember how long the, the difference was when they posted it, but there, there was a, you know, I can watch it later that week. You know, it's yeah, not the end I, of the world. And I think that's the point. Like if you're going to have the games conflict, make it really easy to watch replays um, with whatever platform you choose to do with that. But I think ultimately, you know, in making this comparison of like, I would much rather see them kind of lock into, especially since they're not going to conflict with the NFL, like lock into like kind of that, like, like you said, Saturday's a rugby day, right? Like lock that kind of, I guess, marketing idea into it. Or, you know, if you're going to go Saturday and Sunday, which I think is the better thing to do anyways, it's like kind of, you know, have the teams play at like similar times and stuff. Just make it, make it so like, like you said, even if you don't, even if you don't check the schedule, you know a game is happening at a certain time and turn like the weekend into like an event, kind of like what the NFL did. Not so much what the CFL does where it's like you, I, at least in my opinion, maybe people will argue with me on this, but it's like, I have no idea what time CFL games are X. They're all different all the time. It's not, there's no consistency. The NFL sure. locked in, you know, when they're playing, that's what I like about it. Um, and I, I like, I don't mind, I like the idea that there's only four games that aren't on Saturday yeah. and Sunday. Stu, you've you you know you've had the 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 rugby ethos around your your life a lot longer than we have. Um, how do you feel about my my thought? I I agree with with Derek. By the way, this was this was a lot ball question. I wrote it because I wanted to hear your guys' perspectives. Like I I already knew mine would be what Derek felt, but I wanted to hear what you oh, thought God. about it. Um, okay, I'm going to cut this and we're going to go back, Stu, and redo that part um, so I don't sound like I agree with Dan. <laughs> wow. Wow. Yeah. I actually thought there was a problem. Oh. Anyway, Stu, right. go ahead. <laughs> so growing up in the UK, the weekends when the rugby season was on was just usually rugby games. So that would mean... Saturday is the main choice for games. Sundays as well. Uh, recently, also Friday nights. But the thing that the top leagues within Europe and things like the Six Nations have is that they have national broadcast deals and it's the broadcasters that provide most of the funding. And so they're the ones who get to determine when those games are being played. Now, George Killebrew said that 36 nationally broadcast games between the partnerships with CBS Sports and Fox will happen for the 2021 season. That works out at two national games per week. And that's a good start. But at the same time, it's not enough to prevent overlap with local networks. And I have a feeling that this will continue until MLR gets a national broadcast partner or partners that will be able to broadcast all the games uh, for the season. And if that's split between two uh, broadcasters, so for example, in Canada, if it was split between, say, TSN and Sportsnet, then there'd be less chance of overlap. But for the time being, especially with like local partners, it's going to have these overlap games. And I would have to stick with the traditional sense of having games on Saturday and Sunday because... It just ensures that players get the most um, consistent time to recover from the previous week or previous weeks if they have a bye. And, 
I've got to say, one of the games that isn't on the Saturday or Sunday is in the last week of playing, which is LA versus Seattle. Now, can you imagine the agony of being one of those players on those teams and you have to wait three whole days to find out if you're making the playoffs <laughs> or not? Hey, well, yeah, you know what though, but uh, you should have. You know, if it's you have to wait on the last week of the season, you should have played better the first seventeen weeks and made the playoffs without having to worry about what everybody else does, anyways. That is that is actually a poor teaching skill. Is you do not look on the past, only what you can do in the future, Mister Brissett. Yeah, you know, like if you, if you did better in the past, you wouldn't have to worry about oh the outcome of the Austin Toronto oh. game or whatever. All right, Harpen. How are Harpen teams? And no one's touched the pitch yet. Well, guys, if you want to look at uh, the the schedule, MLR has uh, posted it. The Toronto Arrows did a fantastic job making a very hilarious Simpsons um, schedule uh, release video. Um, I have a father-in-law that knows nothing about rugby, but he's a big Simpsons fan, so it was quite funny watching it with him. Um, We're going to move on now, guys, because. you know, we've been had a busy couple of weeks with some interviews and, and other things. So we've missed a little bit of talking about signings. And a lot of them has have kind of happened in the last week and a half. Um, and we're going to start with the most recent and most prevalent. Again, Derek has mentioned it a few times. We're a Canadian rugby podcast, so we're going to talk about the Arrows first. Um, and they have uh, done what I love and signed more props. Um, one of them is a new face. Another one is a very not new face. Uh, Rob Brower is returning to the Arrows um, in a very surprising uh, uh, signing. Um, many people thought that he was done. Uh, he just had another another child. Uh, congratulations to the Browers. Um, as a father who's got one child under the age of three, I don't know how they, they're, they're doing it. And then to say, I am also going to go play professional rugby again. It blows my mind. Um, but he's not alone. Uh, Mark Antoine Ouellette, um, from Quebec, the very first Quebecer, um, has also signed, um, gentlemen, where do these guys fit in the arrows roster? Because, you know, the, the props are starting to really fill up um, and, and the slots are starting to kind of before training camp has already begun. People are starting to kind of rank where they where they sit. So where are these guys sit? Brower, who only played two games last year, he played the, the match against Atlanta and then the, the loss to Colorado that ended the year. But in 2019, he was devoted to the. All, all MLR first 15 at loose head, basically essentially the major league rugby declaring him the best loose head prop in the league. Um, and then when he, pl- he missed the first three games of the season. Um, but that match against Atlanta, when he came on in the second half and it was him Quatron and Keith in the front row, just devastating to the Atlanta scrum. Um, so he's definitely proven that he's still in, should still be in that discussion for one of the best loose head props in the league um, based on what we have seen him play. So if he wants to come back, I am very excited to see him back. Um, I think the thing with the way the arrow sort of front and row is shaping up right now is there is a lot of loose heads or sorry, there's a lot of tight heads and not very many loose heads Um, right now. If you were kind of to make a depth chart for it, obviously hooker, Hooker pretty easy to a uh, depth chart for the arrows. It's Quatrain, Ing, and then McRogers. Um, and then you have kind of on the loose head side, you would have um, Rob Brower and Richie Asieda. Um, Asieda obviously performed 
amazing through the um, first three games and throughout all of 2020. Um, I love the way he, he's just a great ball uh, ball carrier, a little bit more dynamic than we're used to with, you know, coming from front row players. And, uh, you know, I think it's a really fun X factor kind of element from his game. Um, but then on the tight head side, you have, um, obviously, Cole Keith, Gaston Cortez, the new signing. Um, you have Tyler Rowland, um, who's been coming over from the Pacific Pride program. You know, he's a super exciting prospect, definitely looking through the future of the country with uh, Tyler Rowland. And now you have Mark Antoine Ouellette, who is also primarily a tight head prop. Um, so Ouellette kind of strikes me as like, I feel like he's going to be like kind of the fourth guy there. Um, there it'll be interesting to be like, maybe, you know, maybe they try, you know, Roland or Ouellette to maybe like, you know, cross over to loose head side. Uh, maybe Pat Lynott comes back. It's just, you know, there's a couple players that still haven't been announced and, you know, hopefully if Lynott is among them, then obviously that fills up the loose head side. And then you have three loose heads, three hookers, and then four tight heads, um, which would be the, uh, a, you know, a good balance um, for, for the franchise. So, um, I feel like that's kind of where it fits in. I think the interesting thing with Ouellette, too, is obviously the fact that he's a crossover athlete. Um, the v- Vanier Cup champion with the Laval Rouge Or in 2016, you know, only been playing rugby for a couple of years. Um, by all accounts, really impressed at the Rugby Canada High Performance Camp that happened last month. And, you know, obviously there was a big arrows contingent there um, as far as both on the on the pitch as players and within the coaching and managerial staff as well. So um, obviously Ouellette made a huge impression and they locked him up to a deal for the upcoming season. I think, especially with like Keith and Cortez and Roland there, I feel like it'll be tough for him to get playing time. But at the same time, it's like, there's also obviously the clear need to add another loose head to the roster. Maybe that's Pat Lynott. Um, Hopefully it's Pat Lynott. I like Pat Lynott a lot as a player. Um, Still a couple of guys to be announced from the arrows. So um, if Lynott's one of them, that solves a problem. Um, But um, if not, then it'd be interesting. And, you know, there's obviously enough props here. It's just, if somebody has to go across, but um I think it'll be Lynott anyways. And, um, but yeah, if that's the case, then I feel like Ouellette, Brower is going to compete for starting time and ultimately Ouellette will probably not play too much. To go back to Rob Brower, I think he should be known as Mr. Scrub. I mean, from that rugby ATL game, if you haven't seen it, I urge you to find it on MLR's either Facebook page or YouTube channel. And from when he comes on, even though the scrum has been dominant all game, it just goes that extra step further once Brower's on the field. Um, at the same time, I would probably prefer to see him as that, as an impact sub. Uh, I've said it once, I'll keep saying it, the focus needs to be on the younger players starting and seeing out more games. Brower is someone who can come into the starting 15 due to injury or if the internationals take place next summer and they're not going to take place next summer they're going to they're going to those are definitely going to take place after the season so we don't have to really worry about that okay but uh so don't need to worry about that but then say injuries obviously happen um to have someone like brower then be able to come into the starting 15 i think that will you know be a great ace 
in the hand to have for the Arrows, but I think his specialty, along with Gaston Cortez, you know, the two senior members of the team, uh, should be from the bench. Uh, for Marky Mark, as he's known on Twitter, um, should be aiming for the starting 15. Uh, he's 25, so he's a bit older than some of the guys in the props, but still at least nine years younger than Cortez. Uh, he, Tyler Rollins, Cole Keith, uh, Richie Asiatis, they should be aiming to get the best out of each other by competing for the starting roles. Um, these uh, these guys can then get mentorship from Brower and Cortez. And I, when Cortez was signed, I said he could probably come in as like the you know, senior figure within the team. R- riches of European experience as well, as well as international. Um, obviously, they're going to be coached under Aaron Carpenter, a legend of the Canadian game. Um, and that's the thing. We talk about depth a lot when it comes to the Arrow squad. It just seems to be getting deeper and deeper. Yeah, uh, Arrows fans should be very excited for the 2021 well, season. What- and the other teams should be uh, cautious of that. Yeah, very afraid. Be afraid. Yeah. Um, I think they'll too. Like, I think, you know, I think I've kind of talked about it a little bit. Um, the way the Springboks won the World Cup was all on depth. The ability to kind of have like your second best prop and stuff, but have him be able to start. Right. And you kind of had, they kind of mix and match their pack depending on what they kind of needed and what their opponent was. But ultimately it was like, yeah, well, you hit the 50 minute mark and it's like the new pack kind of came on and it was guys that were good enough to start but it was just the strategy that the Springboks like deployed there and I feel like the arrows are kind of encroaching on like that territory of maybe they can do that where it's, yeah, like it's they, been a weakness of just, Canada you know they, they have they have you know an okay starting pack but then you look at their bench it's like ooh, like compared to other international teams it's so it's it's nice to see that the arrows are accomplishing this well there's there's been more canadian rugby news with mlr and one of the big ones is one of the younger um mlr stars uh, uh has re-signed with the seawolves uh, nakai penny is back again with the seawolves um very exciting news nakai is quite the dynamic player um he has been done really, really well, and it was sad to see him not get selected for the, you know, preliminary roster leading up to the World Cup. Um, another signing that is been kind of waiting in the reeds. You know, we've been hearing a lot of rumors about it, but now it's official. Uh, Regan O'Gorman has officially signed with Austin. Now, gentlemen, I'm gonna I'm gonna pitch a question to you. Uh, which one of these signings are you guys more excited about? You know, we've got we've got a commodity that we know about. You know, we know what Nakai Penny can do in MLR, but you know, Regan O'Gorman's kind of bringing something a little bit unknown. You know, unless you're really tied into his club rugby in New Zealand. I unfortunately am not tied into Regan <laughs> O'Gorman's uh, club rugby. I'm afraid, um, but I think the thing is that we are seeing with especially with the Giltinis, so the other Gil team in the league, is a lot of Australian influences. And uh, so coming through from that, obviously, we also have Regan O'Gorman playing in New Zealand. So the Tasman games uh, or leagues going on, especially in uh, Super Rugby as well, um, that experience coming over, I think that will contrast nicely with a lot of 
European experience that has come over from players both in the US and Canada that have experience in Europe. And I think it'll be an interesting matchup. I know Southern Hemisphere rugby, especially when it comes to things like the Wallabies and the All Blacks, is focused more on attacking and European is more defensive, focused on the kicking game. So that'll be an interesting uh, matchup with skills and expertise to see. Um, but I've got to say, Nakai Penny coming back, I think is a fantastic slam dunk for the Seawolves. Uh, when it comes to positions like flankers, uh, you want them to have quiet games because if they have a quiet game, it means they're doing their job. And then it's just dependent on, you know, the front row being able to perform the set pieces, the backs hopefully being able to score. But I mean, we've had for like the past decade been looking at rugby players all over the world that are flankers that, you know, elevate their game. I'm talking like, Sam Warburton, David Pocock. And I'm not saying that uh, Nakai Penny is in their league, but at the same point, you want to have these good, reliable workhorses in your team. So I think that's a great signing for the Seawolves. Yeah, I think, you know what, now that, to be honest with you, man, now that, um, you know, we were talking about some of the matchups that's kind of disappointing. And now that you kind of mentioned Nakai Penny, I think, you know, I think, I think he's definitely a guy that deserves a shot with the Canadian national team for sure. Um, he's played excellently in the like his two seasons of MLR so far. Um, I think you know it would be interesting to see Seattle play rugby ATL to have them go head to head against Matt Heaton. That's not going to happen. Um, Seattle does still play Toronto, which means he can go up against Lucas Rumball, um, which you know in that head to head situation, which will be obviously fascinating to watch. Man, I think uh, I think Penny's kind of slowly developing. You know, even though maybe he hasn't got that national team recognition, I think he's slowly developing into one of the better flankers in Canada, especially one of the better open sides in Canada, too. And I think, you know, if, if he can put together another, especially like if we're kind of looking at like the World Cup qualifiers not being until after the season ends and that maybe that's the first Canadian national rugby team game, um, you know, since COVID hit, then, you know, if you're kind of, if that's the timeline, man, maybe he can use the 2021 season to propel himself into that, um, into the Jersey again. Right. So um, that's something that I, I would, I'm definitely looking forward to, to seeing him watch. Um, Seattle also kind of added, uh, they re-signed Sears Duru, they re-signed Barton. So, um, you know, Hassler is out the door to um, Austin to join uh, Regan O'Gorman. And, but uh, the Seattle contingent or the Seattle Canadian contingent will still be strong. Um, the Regan O'Gorman signing, I think, is fascinating um, just because, you know, looking at it, man, it's like Austin's engine room is sweet. Um, like, it's uh, like, I don't like Austin has been having a heck of an offseason here. Um, so Regan O'Gorman, obviously, you know, 24 years old, like you said, he's been playing in New Zealand, uh, playing for South Canterbury. He's played for Canada U20. The th- he's played for the Thunderbirds. Um, it's, um, it, you know, so he's got that a little bit of that, that resume built up, but you also got like the other locks on Austin right now. You got, um, Christian Ostberg and you have Sebastian de Chavez, um, who's U20 spring box played for the Tigers. He's played for the London Irish. Um, Isaac Ross is a freaking all black. Um, and <laughs> like he's played eight, like, yeah. And it's, it's eight games, but I mean, eight games is you're an all black man. That's what you do. And he's going to be a little bit of a, not, that player coach role right so um 
And, you know, if you're being, he's being coached. So um, O'Gorman's going to be, I guess, being coached by an all black. And I feel like this is like one of those things that's kind of like, kind of low key. Like, does anybody realize that Austin has three all blacks? Like, I feel like that. I feel like this is not a thing that we talk about enough. Um, they, Austin has like, it's yeah. squirrel collecting nuts for the winter. It's like, I just yeah. need some all blacks for this. Yeah, exactly. you know? I just need some all not blacks. A big deal. Yeah, they 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 got Ross McIntosh and Halai. Like they have they have it's a com, it's a combined ten caps between those three guys. But I mean, like hey, like we got we got all blacks, man. So, um, I feel like that's just kind of like one of those like low key low key things in this league is that there's just a team that has three all blacks. Um, because of that though, I mean, they also have Cam Dodson, who was you know the projected, you know, at one point was a projected number one pick, and then there were some questions about his eligibility, and then ultimately didn't go drafted, and then Austin signed him. Um, so I mean, based on the draft order, if that was the case, Austin kind of lucked out on that. Um, but he's a lock too, but he can also play eight. Um, so that'll be interesting, and I guess they'll see if we shift hit if the Austin shifts him back to eight, um, because they're they have some four outstanding locks here and, um, you know, bringing Osberg back from Europe as well. You know, you get the, the local, um, round rock, uh, kind of native there too. So it's like, um, you know, there's, there's a lot going on for um, the Austin Gilgroni scrum in the engine room. And that's going to be some competition for the four and the five Jersey. So, um, I, I'm really interested to see how regional Gorman performs in that scenario. And then also it'll be the same thing, man. Like, I think that's going to be one of those, the great things about this season. And it's going to be like, I can't wait to see him, you know, um, you know, if he has to play against like, you know, Connor keys or Mike Shepard or, um, you know, players like that to just kind of, all right, here's your, this is your benchmark that you have to hit. If you want to be on the national team, you got to beat this guy. So um, those head to head matchups, I think will be a lot of fun. And I think that's part of what is also so great about so many Canadians being in the league is we're going to get to see that a lot more now. Um, and, well, and also the, the also, you know, uh, the rugby Canada team is going to have more, again, like we've talked about how film more, more film, more guys are going to be in better shape. Like the, the, the tape that they're going to have to prepare for these test matches that are coming up post MLR, because again, there's not going to be any, there most likely will not be any rugby Canada games. So they're going to have to base it off of, you know, European uh, games and also MLR. So it's, it is great. Um, one little bit of MLR news before we move on to kind of some international stuff uh, is that Rooney will be starting the season without any fans in the stands. Um, they said that because of um, COVID-19 kind of running rampant in New York's the, the state, they have decided to start the season uh, with doors closed. Um, you know, we have, we've seen it all over the world, um, especially in, in, uh, in Europe, um, there have been very few instances of fans in the stands. So uh, Rooney being the first team in, uh, in the United States to kind of take that step, uh, I don't, which is very interesting. I don't think they, they said that, though. They just said that as of right now, they can't have fans, so they're not going to sell tickets until they know they can have fans. As but opposed I mean, to- the fair point, but like really how yeah, much I'm- is going to change in New York? Like what? Well, I don't know. Now in March, think, like things are I, getting worse. I, yeah, but I, I just think based on like there's like the you're, you're referring to like their announcement they put up on social media though, right? Yes. Yeah. So that would be, yeah. It like it just says that it's like given the state of COVID nineteen in New York State, we are. <laughs> 
uh, and New York State's current decision to not allow fans at live sporting events, um, it's simply not possible to do so at the moment. Um, so, like, so we want to be straight with you and not start ticket sales until we know for sure that you can attend our games. So that's what their statement is. So I don't, I don't think they're saying we don't want to play games with fans. I think it's just like they are taking the stance that they're not going to sell the tickets until they can actually guarantee fans will be able to, I guess, use them. I think that's kind I mean, of... Okay, it's, it's a little bit of splitting hairs. One is saying that they're not going to have fans and one is saying they're not going to sell tickets. It's essentially... It's a boil. It's going to boil down to the same thing. Like, I, I just... Yeah, I don't think... I just... I don't think... And again, it's I don't think... So I'm, I'm interpreting what they posted. I just don't think that they're going to start the season with fans. They probably... Because other other won't. other teams have San similar Diego, situations. San Diego put out a similar statement to saying that they're not going to sell the, the tickets, right? I think it's kind of just like, you know, the current state of where we are. I know some teams are selling tickets. And I don't think that's necess- I don't think that's a bad idea. I don't think what Rooney and San Diego are doing is necessarily a bad idea either. Um, you know, it might be less hassle if you, you know, if the, the, for those. I mean, like, like, like what happens? Hassle. Like what happens to all the people that have? I mean, like currently the way that arrows are smart and they're setting it up is that you know the founders club are the first ones to get the tickets. Get the tickets, yeah. But th- it's going to be a whole mass of reimbursements if they end up getting to people who paid and they're not going to mm-hmm. have any home games to start the season. It's it could, it's yeah. just it's it's it it's tough be, it because be. because we're talking about things that haven't happened yet. Um, yeah, and, and I, I think I think perhaps I should have worded the, worded the, the 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 quote differently. But at the end of the day. It's not a great outlook for fans in the stands for Rooney. No, it probably isn't. And I mean, to like, I mean, I think it's it's gonna that'll be interesting because it's like clearly, you know, with like Utah has already played games with fans for the Utah Selects. Um, I think Nola's played some games um, at or I don't know. Yeah, Nola. I think played no Nola played in Atlanta or whatever. So Atlanta played games with fans. Um, excuse me. I had that. I think I had that backwards in my head. Um, but Atlanta and um, Utah have been playing games with some fans in attendance. Right. So um, it'll be interesting. So it's like, I don't want to like, I don't think you can fault teams for selling tickets, even if, Hey, maybe rules change and they have to do something about that. But I don't think you, I don't, I, I, I kind of like what Rooney, like, I mean, maybe it's just like, yeah, if, you know, if we can't have fans or whatever, maybe it saves, like you said, saves the hassle of having to refund everybody um, and stuff. I'm sure there's still fans that are definitely interested in those season tickets. Um, but, you know, there's, I feel like the COVID is obviously still like an ongoing situation. And I mean, even based on that, like, you know, like we can't even guarantee we're like at, you know, where some teams will be playing home games and stuff too. Right. Like, you know, there's still a lot to be determined before March. And I think like, you know, government, government rules are still, are still like constantly moving every day and stuff, especially, you know, I'm sure everybody can just kind of see where they live themselves is probably constantly changing or you have to check the news every day for like new updates. I know like um, me and my girlfriend went to do a little like Christmas shopping and stuff yesterday. And every time we went into a store, you have to do a COVID screening now, right? Like they actually sit there with a clipboard and ask you a bunch of questions, which is something that I didn't see in- before yesterday. Um, so like that's, you know, it's just, it's a constantly evolving situation. I'm sure, I'm sure ultimately like if Rooney can have fans in the crowd and they can have fans in the crowd safely, 
like they're going to they're going to do it but i think right now they're just kind of taking the stance that it's like we can't guarantee it so we can't we're not going to sell tickets to something that we can't guarantee that it's going to actually happen so um i guess i i that's at the very least that's where i took what they were doing as and that's where i also i also think san diego is kind of along the same lines there it's just you know if we can have fans we'll have them but right now we can't guarantee that fans will be there so we're not gonna you know ask people for money in the event that we're not gonna be able to actually deliver that service that they're paying for so one thing i found from the statement that may be of interest is that uh rooney were talking about fan virtual match day experiences and you know we obviously can't predict what's going to happen with COVID, but uh, when we had Bill Webb on before, he was saying that the Arrows will be playing their games, but that may not necessarily mean they're playing in Canada when it comes to their home games, talking about doing double headers with a as yet to be named uh, team from the Eastern Conference. The I think something like that would be especially beneficial to Arrows fans because as long as the border is close to non-essential travel between the US and Canada, I believe that it's going to have a negative effect on the Arrows and the fans that they can't have at their games. And, you know, it may obviously be different come uh, March. It may be different come July as well. And uh, I'm my big thing is that I hope that once vaccines become available for as many people as possible, both in Ontario and in the United States, that people get them and they can, you know, we the sooner we can put this disease behind us, the sooner that we can not have to worry about these kind of things. So my plea to all uh, Arrows fans and all fans of MLR is get the vaccine so we can all get back in the stadium as soon as possible. So guys, we're going to move on now. Um, and this is a little bit of a, a story that's been kind of uh, uh, coming to the surface in the last week or so. Um, World rugby, uh, uh, English rugby and the Welsh rugby union are all currently dealing with a concussion lawsuit um, from eight former players um, who are currently all under the age of 45 Um and they're all kind of dealing with with um, issues that have kind of come up from their playing careers, especially a lot of them started, uh, you know, the, the turn of professional rugby. Um, their, their claim is that the governing bodies have failed in their duty of care, having not acted upon known risks of head injury, uh, particularly after professionalism led to a clear um, change in the sports dynamics. Um, and that was a quote from the guardian, um, that really kind of first broke this. Um, and my first question guys is, will this lawsuit have a lasting effect on player safety? Because it's been that, I think looking at how people have been reacting, how players and reporters have been talking about this lawsuit is, will this have a fundamental change on player safety? Because, when you look at this, this, this calendar year of, of how many games were you know, pushed together, that is my f- first thought when it comes to this lawsuit. Well, like, so I'm going to, I'm going to, 
You know what, Stu, you can go first. I'm going to say, absolutely. Thank you. Uh, I'm going to say, absolutely. But at the same time, I also believe that World Rugby has looked at the situation, at a similar situation, both with the NFL and their CTE um, history. Um, they've also had the experience with the Football Association in England because um, many players from the FA and from the England World Cup winning squad of the 1960s, they played with um, leather footballs and they found that heading those leather footballs has had like, the knock-on effect of CTE, concussion, head trauma, early onset dementia. And so they have cha- they changed the law because of that. And I think that obviously player safety has to be first and foremost um, for all these unions and World Rugby and measures will measures have been taken. Measures will be taken. Are they enough? Sadly, we won't know until it's too late. Um, I do want to mention that Steve Thompson, who was behind, uh, has been the main vocal side from this case. Um, who played and won? Um, he played for England, won the 2003 World Cup, and has played in the 2007 and 2011 World Cup. He says that uh, he he guesses that a lot of players from that era, that is the turn of professionalism, may end up having similar problems. I can see the numbers being high, especially for the first players to come through, what, 96, 97, up to the mid-2000s, really. He could see attitudes were changing by the end of the career. So he's saying that the 2011 World Cup camp was completely different to the 2003 World Cup camp. In 2011, it was a lot more technical, whereas in 2003, you just had to beat yourself. So you just had to be like the strongest player on the pitch. And I know there's, unfortunately, one corner of the internet that will complain about this. Like, oh, the game's gone soft. Thompson has explicitly stated, I don't want to kill the game. I want it regulated. Uh, And something that Thompson also mentioned is that he has a suggestion of how to improve uh, player welfare in the long run um, following a simple requisite that already exists in French rugby. So when you play in France, you have a heart scan at the start of each season in order to be able to play. So why don't they have scans of their brains as well to identify any like brain issue or any um, problem that can be happening? Because, and Steve Thompson goes on to say, lads are going to be 22 or 23 and they're going to have to retire. But trust me, it's better finishing then than to be where he is now. The, the reality is we have seen professional players who are in their early 20s had to retire because they haven't been able to recover from concussion or injuries related to CTE. And obviously... Cameron Cameron Pierce, uh, Canadian, you know, was playing overseas, retired early at the age of like 23, 24. You know, he's a perfect example of that. And now he's working towards, you know... Fighting for for things like this, uh, he's a perfect example yeah. of that, Stu. Exactly. Um, that's what I mean. It's I know in the UK because of the structure that rugby has been around for much longer, with things like um, academies and you know junior player structures. Is that if you have been playing at a professional level in your early twenties, 
that most likely means that you only have the basic mandatory level of education requirements from your high school and your career has been rugby and now your career suddenly ends not on your terms and what you'll most likely have to do will either get a job in the physical labor market so like bricklayer um, electrician things like that or study for higher education and in most cases even being in something like blue collar jobs you still have to do training in order to get those jobs and you have to do that whilst maintaining your brain injury and it it's a vicious cycle because you've gone from being well funded and having medical facilities available to you but as soon as you have to retire at the end of that season those things that are that were once readily available to you aren't so much anymore obviously in things like in the uk and canada we have um public health care to allow us to you know go to the hospital whenever but in a situation as the sports growing in the us and we all know the horror stories of us medical bills and things like that it's going to have like a huge knock-on effect yeah i think i think honestly i think like it should have an impact on player safety like we should be i think you know there's because this isn't even like the only lawsuit and we know like jamie cudmore has had his own like litigation um with you know french rugby and claremont um for you know some of the things where he's like yeah it's like i got a concussion he was saying like he got a concussion in a game failed the concussion test and then they still asked him to go back out and play and stuff right and um like i think i think there's there's a lot of you have to like we have to obviously keep make the game as safe as possible and seeing the impact of some of the um you know the collisions and the hits in rugby um if like yeah if you can do anything to make it safer and like you know that's probably like changing up some protocols being like yeah if you're diagnosed with a concussion you're you're out for maybe like an extra week or an extra two weeks than normal or you know add on to that time off or you know like you know just kind of maybe make that protocol a little bit stricter it's like if you have that the hia or whatever and it's like unless you pass it with flying colors it's like maybe you get a little bit stricter and maybe you take the guy out of the game i don't really know what the answer is um but I, I think the one thing that kind of strikes me, though, sometimes in reading through the article and what Stephen Thompson, um, Steve Thompson was saying, and like, you know, he was mentioning things about like not remembering winning the World Cup in 2003, and he only really knows of it because he's seen it in videos. Um, it kind of got me to like kind of thinking and stuff, too, of like kind of those other incidents. And I mean, um, Dr. Uh, Bennett Omalu, he published his CTE research that was kind of off the basis of finding CTE in a, a Pittsburgh Steelers player um, that passed away. And, you know, he published that in 2005, right? So, like, that research on CTE is about 15 years old based on when it got published. And I think one of the things it's like, we know, I feel like we know a lot more about concussions now than we ever did, um, which is probably something you can say for a lot of subjects. But like, if anybody has ever, like, if you ever go back and I know COVID kind of gave people a lot of time to do this is like earlier in the year when there was no sports happening. It's like a lot of sports channels, they would put out classic games. World rugby put out a lot of classic games. Um, you know, basically ESPN, TSN, Sportsnet, they all did it. 
Um, and it's like, if you really watch, cause part of what they were talking about was the turn of professionalism, like that late nineties, early 2000 yeah. stretch. And in all honesty, like going back, it's like, if you watch any physical contact sport from those eras, whether it's rugby, whether it's football, um, whether it's hockey or any, anything else. And it's like, there are tons of moments where you will watch a game and be like, oh man, that guy should not be allowed to come back into this game. But because it's the early 90s or the early 2000s, they came back in the game. Um, I think, you know, some like famous ones, like, um, you know, from the same year, we can use, um, you know, the 2003 Rugby World Cup, which is what Thompson is saying he can't remember. Similarly, you know, hockey fans will remember Paul Correa being hit by Scott Stevens, being clearly unconscious because he wore the oversized visor. You can see him wake up on the ice. Um, he comes back and he scores a goal in that game. It's probably the, you know, he's a Hall of Fame player. And that goal for Korea is probably the most iconic moment of his career. And Korea doesn't remember it. And quite frankly, it's 2003. And looking back on that game, you should have been like, there should be no way he should have been allowed back in that game. Um, he played the next game in the series too. And again, there's no way, you know, looking back on it now, you're like, there's no way he should have been allowed to do that. Um, and I think like that's some of the things that's like the concussion protocol and everything does need to get better. And it's like, when you see these gentlemen being diagnosed with like early onset dementia and things being caused by CTE, it's like, it's, you know, I identify that. Yeah. Like that, that, that is a problem. Like head injuries are very serious and we, you have to take the proper precautions to handle them. Um, we'll see how England and uh, the RFU and world rugby handled the lawsuit and stuff. And, you know, whether it be like, whether it goes to court or whether it's just financial settlements and things like that, um, kind of what the end, like similar, I think the NFL, correct me if I'm wrong guys, but with the NFL, I think was some sort of financial settlement for their, you know, concussion oh, yeah. protocols in, uh, in yeah. the millions. Yeah. Multi-million hundreds. Of yeah. Millions, yeah. Too. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, maybe, maybe, maybe that ends, maybe this ends up kind of being the same thing. I think just ultimately as a contact sport, you just have to like, Every every contact sport has to concussions should be an issue, and it's like you have to be concerned and you have to um, make sure you take the proper precautions to make sure every player is as safe as possible. And if there is a concussion risk or if a player has a concussion, like let them get back to a hundred percent. Like don't rush anybody back from a concussion, um, because the worst like the worst thing that's gonna happen if you have a concussion is you take another hit. And it gives you a worse concussion, sure. right? So, yeah, um, as someone that has had uh, has had concussions from from sports and just from life, you know, I was in a pretty serious car accident. I since that car accident, I felt you know the effect yeah. on 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 my you know my my ability to remember things, or you know, I don't remember the car accident, but like even just like my my memory, my short term memory is is yeah. horrible. It's different yeah. since then. So it is. It is very serious, and, and I'm, I'm glad that we can have discussions like this about these these important topics. But let's uh, let's finish off on a high note, gentlemen. Um, it has been a long year. It has been a very long year. See, be, because I know what we're about to talk about, Stu. I love that Dan was like, "Let's finish on a high note by talking about 2020." put between a rock and a hard place you know where, what do you want me to do but um Dick. you know guys mm. it's it has been a really a really strange year for rugby but i want to yeah. ask you what would be if you look back at 2020 and all the games 
that didn't happen, but what would be your match of the year? Oh man. Um, Toronto, San Diego at the MLR final. Yeah. Um, maybe not. Alternative um, reality. Alternative reality. Yeah. That was crazy. Man, I can't believe Dan Moore scored seven tries in the final. That was unreal. <laughs> tries. <laughs> okay. Okay. Exactly. Um, yeah, no, Hey, that happened somewhere. I think uh, that's why, that's why he retired. It's like, you can't be better than that. You just go out on top. He's got the all seen eye. He knew what happened. Yeah, exactly. In. And he was just like, yeah, I'm good. Um, you know, you know, uh, I guess I think obviously this was a super weird year with the, the, uh, the massive layoff. I think though, amidst all the craziness, the one match to me that it's like, if we're, you know, 10, 15 years from now, the one match that we'll talk about from this, I think it's going to be the Pumas beating the all blacks. I think that's yeah. going to be the the defining yeah. match of this year. Cause I think in all honesty, I think because of COVID, like even the matches that had like the six nation matches that happened before COVID, I'm like, you know, like I, I would have to rewatch a lot of them again. I feel like to be like, cause it's, it's just, this year has been a weird blur where time doesn't exist properly. Um, and like, yeah, it's things, things that happened a week ago, feel like a month ago, things that happened a month ago, feel like six months ago and things that happened six months ago, feel like 20 years ago now. So, um, I think that's the one that's going to stick out to me is going to be the all blacks Pumas. Um, unfortunate aftermath of that match though, too, which might kind of taint it um, with the, you know, a lot of the players get being banned yeah. for their comments on social media. Um, but yeah, I, I think the, the game itself will kind of stick out just because I think it's that anytime a country beats the all blacks for the first time, I feel like there's that little historic element to it. Um, and then, um, you know, as is tradition, after the All Blacks lose to a team, they kill them by thirty points. So. What about you, Stu? What was what was your match of the year? Yes, Argentina versus the All Blacks is definitely up there. As the Wales fan, I was saddened that they had decided to not play any games for the rest of the year. And <laughs> yeah, I'm just. Are you are you yeah, sure I mean, about I mean, that, Stu? I seem to, I seem to remember a couple of Wales games, like in the Autumn Nations Cup. Are you? Uh, um, well, you Are know, you sure about um, that? Uh, well, I didn't see them, so therefore they didn't happen. They're, they're, they're no game, oh, no yeah. games. Um, I will say a game that is um, close to me for a number of reasons was um, from MLR would have been Toronto versus Seattle. Obviously, there's the vengeance from the 2019 uh, semi-final that uh, you know losing to Seattle in Seattle only to then go back uh, this year to avenge that loss and Dan Moore's uh, last try of um, his career was actually in that game as well. Um, It was also, I didn't see the game live unfortunately and that's because it was the same day as my sister's wedding so there's a, um, that's why that match date has a bit of a personal connection to me. Um, but I think that was also the game where it was just like before COVID had really taken off. And I was thinking, man, the arrows are going to do so well this season. I'm looking forward to all the rest, all other 12 weeks, all these other matches set to come up. Oh, I'm looking forward to seeing Ma Nanu in Toronto. You know, back when, uh, 
ignorance was still possible to have. But uh, as yeah. you said, alternative realities where Dan Moore scored seven tries in the Wasn't- final. Yeah, that was going to be my answer, Stu. <laughs> but I, I had I, I thought that maybe one of you guys want to answer it, so I'm going to go uh, with the North-South game in New Zealand. Oh, yeah, that game was cool too. Yeah, that was that was a really fun game. Good, it yeah. was just it, it was fun, and I think yeah. part of it, I think part of it why I remember it so vividly is just no one. There, there was one zero expectations. Everyone kind of didn't know really what it was going to be like. And there just wasn't any pressure. Like it wasn't like the tri-nations where you had to beat Australia, you had to beat Argentina or, you know, like the six nations or this autumn nations cup. It was just a fun game that, you know, just, they just went out and gave it their all and had a blast. And I think for our podcast, that is where it kind of, we started that bounced us into starting to interview players because that's when Cole Keith came up with the idea with the West versus East and that kind of started that ball. So in terms of our podcast, um, that game just has a little bit of fun significance to me. Now guys, let's look forward to the future to 2021 because there are a lot of exciting things. Like we said, you know, MLR uh, has their schedule out. Um, the World Cup qualifiers are going to start in in the in, I'll post post that season. So, what do you hope happens in 2021? I know the easy answer is that that North American rugby starts, but like, let's assume that all go, goes according to plan. What do you hope happens in 2021? And I, I want to go first, and I want to say that a, okay, I'll let you. Right, I want to go ahead. first because I I, I hope that. In terms of Rugby Canada, they give the young guys a chance to yes. play. You know, yes. we you know we saw Will Persilier play 80 minutes in his, in his starting debut. And 20 of that was as a fly half. So, you know, we've got some really exciting young players that are starting to develop um, in their, you know, different spots all over the world. Let's get them in. Let's have them play some matches, you know. Um, so that's what I hope happens. I hope I hope these young young Canadians get a chance to further their careers in Europe. I hope these young guys get a chance to, to further their careers in Canada and in uh, with the Arrows and in MLR. I hope that I just see starting Canadians all over the place. Yeah, that would that would be fun. I feel like um, I mean, I would love to see all of that too. I feel like, did you guys, I know we're all kind of a little bit nerdy here. So, I mean, I'm sure, did you guys see like what Disney did like on Friday and th- Thursday night and Friday? Of just, just dropped a whole bunch of yeah, stuff. Yeah, just dropped everything. They were like, congratulations, you have survived 2020. Your reward is all of these Star Wars movies and TV shows, <laughs> all of these Marvel movies and TV shows, and the Mighty Ducks are coming back. That's what you get for passing 2020. Um, and they just kind of unveiled like all the cool stuff um that they're gonna do and i feel like i want to see world rugby do the exact same like disney style trailer um 2021 man like you said dan if all goes according to plan lions tour um world cup olympics I mean, like that's like I don't know how you get get better than that. Like it's you have the uh, the women's women's World Cup, you have the um, the two Olympic sevens tournaments and stuff. You said all goes according to plan. So I'm just, I listen. That's what I'm hoping for. Yeah, I am fired exactly. up. And I think I think looking at that too too is like obviously, and then even like yeah, the the World Cup qualifying for the for the men too. Like that's going to happen a full MLR season. Um, but yeah, I think the the big three. I think. 
I mean, obviously from the North American point of view, full MLR season would be awesome. The World Cup, but um, I think like, you know, rugby as a whole, the Lions Tour, the Women's World Cup, the Olympics. But I think even like from the Canadian point of view, like the World Cup could be massive, man. Like the Canadian women's team, um, like, and I don't know if, if you guys like watched the Premier 15s this past weekend, the Canadian women yeah. freaking dominated it i watched um, the longborough versus uh um, yeah Exeter game yes lo- it was just light, yeah, lightning versus chiefs the six best players on the field were canadian it was amazing um and and kate zachary yeah 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 but kate zachary's team's gonna be out in the pool stage at the world cup it's fine um <laughs> but yeah you know she was she was outstanding too um but but I, to be honest that's a great thing like i think you look at the world cup though and i'll make that the joke about kate zachary there but it's like because canada usa has that rivalry and it's like the world cup the has the best pool draw you could have possibly like we said a couple of weeks ago it's like you can't rig it any better like if you wanted to so you have that but like the canadian women's team has a legit shot at winning a gold medal um like at that world cup and it's like you have to go through you're gonna have to go through the united states in your pool you're probably gonna have to go through england you might have to go through new zealand on their own turf right so like the black ferns at home that's not easy but like Canada can do it. Like there's no, there's no reason to like to doubt that. And then you also have like the Olympics where the women's team is kind of in a similar boat, man, where it's like, you know, go, go through like a couple of those top teams, right. If you can get through like New Zealand and stuff like maybe like there's a chance at a gold medal and like that, if you're going to be like, what's my like ideal 2020 is like, you know, the women's team, like, I mean, we're all, we're all super excited about whatever these Macron jerseys are going to look like. And we're all like, you know, they should have collars on them and stuff. And cause everybody, like we saw with the free jacks, we saw with the arrows this year, everyone goes nuts. When you see like the classic collar on a rugby Jersey, they look amazing. And you know what makes collars look even better when they have gold medals draped around them. <laughs> so that's what I want to see out of 2021. Um, I want to see right. Canada with some gold, um, most likely yeah the women's world cup and the olympic sevens tournament probably for the women but if the men can do it too that would be um one the probably that would be the biggest upset in sports history i feel like if the men win the maybe that'd be up there it'd be up there if the men can go through and win the olympic tournament but they've won seven tournaments before so it's not completely out of the question um but the women i feel like just are a little bit more likely but i feel like that would be that would be fun so hopefully uh with all these tournaments man i just i want to see some some gold wrapped around uh some canadian some canadian beautiful macron callers next year that's what i want to see yeah, I mean, there's hopefully a lot to look forward to. Um, Stu's just excited that Wales gets to play a game again. Yeah, I know. I mean, it'll be the first time since uh, March. Yeah, so <laughs> thrilled about. Just so like it'll be, it'll be the first time since when did Sam Warburton retire? It'll be the first time since then. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, I obviously agree with everything that you just mentioned, Derek. There's one thing that I would like to see. Um, that was meant to happen this year and got cancelled about a few months ago. That, And that would be the doubleheader on Halloween weekend in Vancouver. Because if it's going to be the same as was originally stated with Canada versus the USA, that would probably also form part of the World Cup 
allocation for America's one. And it could be a case of the US versus Canada, their first round game in the US happened the week before. And then it would be the final of the double round robin would be in Vancouver with 50,000 fans all dressed up in Halloween attire. I think that would be a sight to behold. Not not just the fancy dress and the costumes, just a full stadium in North America. I think that would be a sight to behold, to say the least. Um, Because I think there's one thing I enjoy more than just going to a rugby match. It's going to two rugby matches for the price of one. So, and, and, you know, the 2020 edition was cancelled. Maybe both days should have two games on at the same time. Um, well, not at the same time, back to back. So, I think, you know, get everyone uh, yeah, four, bang four for Four teams bus. and two balls on the pitch at the same time. Yeah, multiple Navigate matches. that. Navigate that. That'd be fun. Uh, I think well, though, the one thing we definitely have to admit, uh, like also mention too, um, this podcast was a ton of fun this year. Um, so I'm super excited to do this podcast when we actually have rugby games. To talk oh my about goodness! Yeah, in yeah. Canada. Um, it's, you in, know, it's been yeah. quite the quite the journey. You know, we we added Stu to the show. We we've been interviewing some amazing guests. You know, from Arrows players to you know Jamie Cudmore to Bill Webb, DTH, Doug Fraser. You know, we've been we've been very very fortunate uh, to be able to uh, create this platform and then see it grow on um, the past uh, past year or so you know hats off to all you listeners it's been fantastic uh putting this content out for all of you this will be our last episode of 2020 as you know we've kind of uh finished our year look uh, year in review and looking ahead um so we will be taking uh the break for the holidays and coming back in the new year um looking to hit the ground running with more interviews more previews and a whole bunch of other fun stuff um so if you want to listen to more of our episodes, especially some of these really fun interviews that we've had, um, you can go to our social media platforms on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. We're all there, LaRouche Rugby. And also, if you are looking to help the podcast grow so other people can see it and, and fall in love with Canadian rugby, leave us a review. You know, throw us a little five-star review, write a little comment, tell us what you like, what you don't like. And uh, it, it would just help us so much growing the, the podcast. And, you know, as we, we grow into the future, we, we really appreciate um, all of the fans kind of commenting on our stuff, you know, uh, giving us giving us little bits and pieces of advice of what they like to see in the show. And uh, we hope that everyone has a safe and happy holidays. And that uh, come 2021, we get ready for what looks like to be a very exciting year of rugby. And a lot of gold medals. 